Well, guys, uh, good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Killing me, baby. I've been going. For, I feel like I've been going for like a month. They're like, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I love this man. All right, now here's the thing, man. Jesus, now Jesus fulfilled 300 plus prophecies from the Old Testament, right? I mean, he fulfilled every single one of them. Like he'd his hands and feet would be pierced. He'd be betrayed for 30 silver, uh, ride to into Jerusalem victoriously on a donkey or a colt, which we'll talk about a little bit today. Uh, none of his bones will be broken, uh, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, all these different things. He, he came, he did all that stuff, died on a cross, said he was going to do it, rose from the grave because he said he was going to and he did it, and all his disciples were like, man, you can't kill us. And we all like, they went, they went ballistic for Jesus. It was awesome. So that in mind, how are we doing church? Come on, man. Come on, man. This is a, like, there ain't no other guy like I got, amen? amen? Man, alive. This is so cool. So, man, this is, and I love the music this morning because this kind of sets the, oh, thank you. Is that mine? Yeah. I'm not supposed to never near the, <laughs> oh, thank you. I love you, man. I thought, it was, I'm not supposed to have it near the harmonium. Is that right? I'll keep it at a safe distance. I'll put it next to the keyboard. <laughs> Daniel's going to slap my hand before. You know nothing, sir. But man, I love the music this morning because it kind of sets the tone for this week. Because this week we celebrate, today is officially, well, you know, traditionally called what we call Palm Sunday. And it's the reason it's called Palm Sunday is that people were like, we're waving palm branches or branches. And you know, we think officially palm, palm branches as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on a donkey, and they're like, yay, he's the king, yay, he's awesome, yay, he's great, yay, he's awesome, he's the bomb.com, he's my friend, he's going he's gonna to be the one that, that saves us. And, and most of the people there were thinking in terms of a, a political victory, a, a, a kingdom, an earthly kingdom kind of a victory, like, hey, here's Jesus who's going to free us from the oppression of the Roman rule and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, because what we've been doing up until Today, you know, we're going to kind of start stepping in this week into Good Friday, right? In Good Friday, we're going to start up the, the story again. So we've been kind of going through the story. We take a couple breaks here. For the last few weeks, we've gone through something called At the Cross, right? What we're going to do this week is back up about a week or so and see what it was like for Jesus to enter Jerusalem on a colt or a donkey. Kind of what do we learn? What do we know from that stuff? And as I'm wrestling, wrestling, from, who else is from Georgia in here? Oh, just me. You won't get that joke then. Okay. <laughs> Go dog. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, we, we'll learn a whole bunch from these guys. But as I'm, as I'm wrestling with this stuff, right, uh, about what to say and how to say it, it's like, as you guys know, I, I was gone for this past week. My daughter uh, was snatched from my clutches <laughs> by another man. Right, and uh, thank you guys for your prayers. All kinds of crazy things could have happened. I mean, we a lot of us traveled, uh, you know, drove. I think we drove like thirty some odd hours, both you know, bet- between both trips, and uh, it was just crazy. I think Mana did the best of all of us. We were all cranky. Mana just back there going, "This is not too bad," you know. But um, but it was it was. I mean, all kinds of great crazy things could have happened. Could have had flat tires, wrecks, ran out of gas, whatever. But, uh, man, thank you for your prayers as we, uh, we embarked on just a, a really neat a new chapter in my, my, Judy and my life. And, uh, man, thank you for all the things that you did. You guys saw the pictures on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Man, it was truly an awesome thing. I want to talk about a couple of things that I learned this week. And one of the reasons why I'm preaching what I'm preaching this week is some of the things that happened over this week just really got used to kind of make the message today. 
Before we go into the, the whole Palm Sunday and while we, while we uh, look at Palm Sunday and what it is, let me review a little bit about what we've talked about with At the Cross. At the Cross was, uh, was, a, was an exploration of seventh, amen is right, was an exploration of seven things that Jesus said from the cross. First thing he said, Luke 23, said, Father, this is at the cross, right, getting the crap beat out of him, nailed to the cross, he's bleeding, he's, he's, he's all kinds of stuff. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And he's starting to quote Psalms. Luke 23, 43 says, uh, Jesus answered him, truly, talking to the thief on the cross, who had just gotten through mocking him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is an amazing thing. Because for most of us, let's be honest, we'd be like, sorry, sucker, you shouldn't have mocked me while you had to, you called me bad names. Good luck in hell, I'm out, peace, right? Not Jesus. Because he's thinking eternally. When we had Chris Moick start uh, you know, he gave this message that week, and he's talking about he and his wife, Rachel, and, their, and the cancer that they're battling, that they're thinking eternally. So they're like stepping further into making disciples rather than taking a break because we have cancer. No. He's saying, no, we got we to gotta, we gotta go think eternally about those things. John 19, 26, Jesus looks at his mom who raised him, and he had brothers, you know, that she could have sent him to. He says, mom, here is your son. Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple who most people think is John because it's a disciple Jesus loved. Here is your mother. And we start thinking about the eternal family. Matthew 27, 46. He says, Eloi, 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 Liba Salaktani. Joy was here to help me in the first service. She's not here. If I, mis- if I mispronounce that, just let me know. But that means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he also said in John 19, 28, I am thirsty. These are things that he's quoting the Psalms here. He's starting to quote Old Testament. I love that because I've heard even Christians say this. Man, thank God Jesus came so we don't have to deal with the Old Testament anymore, right? It's all the same message. And from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amazing thing. John 19, 30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And this is a translated tetelestai, as we say in Georgia, tetelesti. Right? And we got to see Dave's tattoo, man. What a, what a gangster tattoo that is, right? Love that cat, man. And so it says, Tetelestai. It means it is paid in full, meaning Jesus has paid the debts for us. And I love that. And finally, last week, Elder Charlie Blair, man, was that not cool to have Charlie Blair in my house last week? Right? Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he talked about the fact that these things that, 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 that Jesus had done and said on the cross was culminated by him dying on the cross. And what we're going to explore today is the week ahead leading up to that time. We know what happens, right? We know that he dies on the cross. We know that he raises from the dead. We're going to talk about, and we're going to, we're going to in a somber, man, beautiful service on, on, on Friday night, good, what's called Good Friday, we're going to, we're going to explore and really, really I don't know, uh, concentrate's not the right word, really reflect on the fact that Jesus is hanging on the cross at this point. And, he's, and, he, and, and when we look at or he's, he's, he's already died, and we're looking at, looking at, I don't know why they call it Good Friday. I never figured that out. Anybody, if anybody might explain that to me, that'd be good. But this is the time when the disciples were totally, totally heartbroken and distraught. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that, reflect on that Friday night at 7 o'clock, man. I really want, man, invite the snot out of people, man. People need to know what Jesus did for us, amen? And we're going to reflect on that. And then we're going to celebrate with four services on Easter because you maniacs are filling this place up. 
All right. And so we got we got a sunrise service where the Boy Scouts are going to going to cook. I heard pancakes and sausage. Actually, I requested pancakes and sausage. Um, They're going to cook for us on uh, on the sunrise service. It's going to be a little chilly. So dress warm. Dress in your pajamas. It's cool, man. It's all good. But we're going to we're going to look at the sunrise. And this is going to be kind of like what the disciples saw when they noticed, hey, the women came to the came to the the, the tomb and it was empty as a sunrise. Time. Whoa, you know, they're going to have that same kind of time. Then we're going to have three regular services, one at 815, one at uh, 930 and 11 o'clock. So here's what I want to challenge us as a church to do this week. The whole world is talking about Jesus. It's on their lips. It's on their minds. It's, it's everywhere. People talk about Easter. People talk about, hey, is there really a resurrection? At least, you know, the, even, if the, even the doubters are talking about Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Take the opportunity to invite as many folks as you can. I want you to hold up your bulletins. Got your bulletins in your hand. Look at the back of it, right? That shows our times. It shows all that kind of stuff on there. It shows a lot of things on the inside, too, but we'll talk about those things later. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to give your bulletin to someone this week and invite them, the, the f- folks that have never been here. Just, just give it to them. And say, hey, this is, this is what times our church are and everything like that. I'm like, what a great, most of these things get in the, either in the trash or on the dashboard or stuff behind the or If you're like me, just lose them. I don't know. But, you know, ch- give that to someone and say, hey, th- we want to invite you. Here's the thing I want us to be thinking about. Our whole idea, our whole job, our whole, our whole duty as a church is to go and make disciples, right? Amen? You cannot make disciples if you don't talk to them, right? If you keep this good news to yourself, you cannot make disciples. Jesus said, go, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, this is the last thing he said to his disciples, at least one of the last things that's recorded in Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples, right? Of all nations. Boom! Yeah, give give Beth Roy, B. Roy a hand, right? I'm going to repeat that in case you missed it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is an astonishing thing that we miss in the church. Because you know, we, we tend to go, I'm going to dunk these people, and we somehow think we've made a disciple. No, we ain't. We've made somebody wet. And we've got, we've got uh, baptisms going on next week. I know several of you have come to me saying, I want to be baptized next week. I want to be Cool, awesome. But understand something. You get baptized next week, we ain't leaving you alone. <laughs> right? We're not going to be like, yay, they got wet. All right, everybody take a picture. Let's put them on the Facebook and stuff. Man, we're going to put you through a grinder. Amen? Like, like, like this, is, this is like a declaration of, of war. And I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But turn in your Bible. So we'll, we'll get into the, the whole idea of this Palm Sunday, man. Look at Luke 19. And you can get on your app. You can get on your uh, Bible app. Or you can get on the New City app. Uh, this this uh, scripture is in there for you. Uh, there's only one little bit of scripture that's not. Um, and I will, uh, and I have apologized to Sherry, although she hooked it up in the first service. I, would, I was like, wow, I should do that. Because it's not in the bulletin. But Luke 19, 28 through 38. Jesus had just gotten through doing parables and, I mean, really challenging people. And it's, you know, it's, it's incredible to me how many times we read Jesus and we think Jesus is some sort of a, 
inspirational guru or a religious figure or something like that. This is God in the flesh telling some tough stuff to his people. And this is what, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead. Going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden until untie it and bring it here (laughs) this is what cracks me up i love this because he's like you got to have faith fellas because they're like i'm gonna get arrested if anyone asks you why are you untying it say the lord needs it like hey i can you imagine (laughs) i just love this can you imagine hey there's that cold man oh oh nothing uh the lord needs it right hey what are you doing my coat my my cold's here right I mean, this is probably a little bit of an exchange here. I mean, I can't imagine them being like, hey, buddy, um, can I help you with that cult or anything? What do you need with it? No, I was like, hey, hey, whoa, bro. Nobody's ever ridden that cult, right? The Lord needs it. And somehow, some way, the dudes bought it, I guess. I'm assuming they're dudes. I don't know. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as they had told them. And as they were untying the cult, its owners asked them, why are you untying the cult? And again, I don't think it's like, well, hey, buddy. It's like, hey, whoa. They replied, the Lord needs it. And apparently it worked. Because no, it doesn't seem like they had to fist fight for it anyway. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, which, which is an expression that Jesus is, is king. And put Jesus on it. And as he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. This is what they did for kings, right? This is an amazing thing, guys. And this is a, an incredible reflection of us in, in America, especially, but us in the church worldwide in a lot of places, man. Man, this is us. We're like, yeah, he's king. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge the facts of, it, of, of who he is. And this is what the people were doing. As we went along the road, they spread the cloaks on the road, which is what they did for kings and dignitaries and those who were of, of high official status in the kingdom of Rome. When, the, when he came, or the emperor, empire of Rome, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And it, it, this is remarkable. Remember we talk about like Christians today go, man, good thing for the New Testament. We have to deal with the Old Testament. Well, they dealt with the Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament. It was, it was common on their lips and their hearts and their minds. They just they were able to express it because of what they were doing. We're quoting Psalm 118, 26. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Now understand something. Notice that they said, blessed is he in the psalm, but they said in, when they quoted it, they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is great that Jesus is king, but understand something. We're going to talk about this. They're getting it mixed up and wrong. I'll talk about that, how we know that here in just a little bit. Luke 19, starting at 39, says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because it's illegal to call somebody king. It's illegal to be to claim somebody to be king. Remember, Pilate asked Jesus, oh, 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 so you are a king then. I, I got to find something on you, right? I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Can I get an amen? Man, here's the deal. And some of you who are new, like, I don't really want to say amen. That's kind of too churchy. All right, man, say word up, berizzle. 
I don't care, man. Acknowledge God and his word and his truth and his power and his omniscience and his alpha and his omega-ness. Amen, this is right. Word up. For rizzle. My dogs. You say word to your mother, just be careful what you say about my mama. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And all God's people said. Man, how, much, how many of us treat the gospel, treat the kingdom, treat that as that way? Like if I don't say something, some, I mean, these trees are going to scream out at somebody, you know? If we all keep quiet, it doesn't matter. God's plan is going to go forward. Hey, I mean, this is crazy stuff. And so all these people that are like waving the branch, hey, oh, this is so great. Here it comes, laying the coach down. It comes, here comes our king. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Go, Jesus, man. He's going he gonna to rescue us. He's he almost as good as Donald Trump. Oh, nah. Oh, oh he's almost as good as Hillary. See, here's the deal. Many of these folks were merely fans of Jesus. Jesus is my dog, man. That, that guy's going to save us, man. Guess what's going to happen? Man, we ain't going to have to pay no more tax. We're going to have to do all kinds. He's going to save us from this oppressive Roman government that's been jacking us for all this time, man. It's about time. We're going to get ours. That's what they said about Jesus. They're sitting there, yay, Jesus. They're, they're fans of Jesus. Royals fans, right? How many Royals fans we got in the house? Oh, man, yeah, word up. How many Chiefs fans we got in the house? Right? How many... Uh, KU fans, yeah. All rock on, right? K-State. <laughs> I don't want to start a fight. No division. Let there be no divisions among you. But here's the thing. When they lose, man, what were they doing? Now, what was going on, man? Can't they hit somebody? Man, don't they know how to block? Somebody got to protect our quarterback, y'all. Man, that pitching was stupid. We're down on them as soon as things get hard. As soon as things get, like, like as soon as our... Our, our fanness, right? If they lose, we're like, oh, Monday morning or Sunday, whatever it is, man. We're like, this is just crazy. Well, I guess I'll go to church today since the Chiefs suck anyway, right? I mean, you know, that's what we do. Y'all know who y'all are. But many folks today are fans, but they're not followers. These people that laid their coats and waved the branches and did, yay, Jesus, that's my man. I'm going to, I belong to him. I'm a Christian now. As soon as, as soon as it got tough, man, like, I'm out. Guess I'll go follow somebody else now. Because here's what happens. A fan says, Jesus is my savior. That is true, by the way. A follower said, Jesus is Lord. What he tells me to do, I do, Amen. A fan says, Jesus is my friend, which is true. I like saying it too. I'm a friend because he says I'm a friend of sinners, man, and I'm a sinner. I'm the worst of the worst. A follower, though, says Jesus is the truth. Whatever he says goes. A fan says, I'm looking for a church that I like. And a follower says, me I and my eternal family are the church. My brothers and sisters, we are the church. Amen? The difference, isn't it? I'm going to go find a church that I like. Really? A fan says, I'm looking for a place where I can be comfortable. A follower says, I want to be as uncomfortable as the Lord needs me to be. 
so that I could be more like him. Because my nature, my natural self, my way I'm born is nothing like him. And it's going to take a radical brain and heart enema to take care of business and do things that I need to do. You're welcome. I love this church. A fan of Jesus. Says, I want to belong. A follower says, I want to belong to a place where I can learn to fight the great war that is coming and is here. Amen? We said before, the kingdom cannot come without victory. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? But are we really willing to fight and go get and storm the gates of hell and go get the kingdom forward on Jesus, on, on the behalf of God? I mean, do we understand this? We are absolute fighters and warriors. That's when Brandon, by the way, I need to tell Brandon Clary, not Clay. My bad, dog. We all right? I got I to know what to put on your soldier uniform. But here's the deal. Brandon Clary, who got baptized last week, had all kinds of fights against him. Man, you shouldn't do that. You got to get your life right. You got to, you don't mind me doing it. I didn't ask permission. You cool? You got to get your life right. I've already done it, so I'm stepping further into it. You got to get your life right, dog. Got family, like family members and stuff. Tell, tell him, don't do this yet, man. But what did he do? He said, I got to follow God. I'm not just a fan. Amen. I'm not just a fan here. See, we got baptisms next week. Several of you have said, I want to be baptized. Let's go. Let's roll. Because we're followers, not fans. Because there's no true peace without a great war. And how do I know this? Because when Jesus came down into Jerusalem, look what he said in verse 41 of Luke 19. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. How many of us wept over Edgerton? I prayed earnestly to God for God. Please, God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your kingdom. Your kingdom come. How many people have prayed that for Baldwin City or Gardner or Wellsville or Olathe? All those places that we've got people coming into, uh, Osawatomie, all those places that people drive from Bonner Springs to get here. Are you kidding me? How many of us honestly pray for our city and weep over our city? Because if we're supposed to have the same attitude and same mindset of Jesus Christ, and that's what he did, why aren't we, amen? And said, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but it is now hidden from your eyes. All those people like, yay, he's coming. Yay, he's going to bring peace. Yay, he's going to bring victory. Yay, and he's sitting there going, if you only knew, if you had only known today what would bring you peace. He's saying you have no idea what you were doing. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. This hadn't happened yet. Jesus is saying it's coming. Like, don't look to me to try to stop this. It's not about that. It's about eternal spiritual peace and victory over our shackles of sin. They will dash you to the ground and you and your children within your walls and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God coming to you. This kairos, this time, this moment in time is what that God's time is in. And some of you guys know what kairos is all about we talk about it a lot 
Jewish historian Josephus outlined this destruction in 70 AD. What he said was, he said essentially what, they, what the Roman government did, the Roman Empire did, they went to battle with those who were in Jerusalem. And what they did was they cut off all the roads and all the avenues of, of food and water and nourishment and supplies and everything. So essentially as soon as, the, as soon as Jerusalem became so weak they couldn't fight back, they just ransacked the whole place. Which means that at, at, the, at that time they destroyed the temple. It was what, what Jesus predicted was going to happen. It's an amazing thing. Which is why we know that the New Testament was most likely written prior to AD 70 because nobody mentions the destruction of the temple. It's kind of like talking about New York City's World Trade Center without talking about 9-11. It wouldn't make any sense, right? It's like if you would, you would say, hey, before, the, before 9-11 when the World Trade Center, they didn't say any of those things. It's like Jesus is walking in Solomon's colonnade. He's teaching at the temple. I'll talk about that here in a second. Luke 19, 45. To 48, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. And not just selling stuff. He's not against commerce. Some people say, oh, Jesus is a socialist. No, he's against ripping people off in the name of God, using God's name in vain. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a, prayer, a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. I want to bring in a little bit of Matthew 21. It's, it's going to be on the slide, but it's not in your bulletin here. Um, Matthew 21, 14 through 16, right after he had entered the temple courts, he drove those folks out. This is what, the sa- what, this is what happened. It's another detail that I love. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the what? Children, do what? What do they do? Shouting in the temple courts. Hosanna to the son of David. They weren't going, ah, he's running. You know, you know, I mean, all people thinking, well, I must have scared the snot out of the kids, man. No, the children knew. See, this was on the minds and the hearts of the culture. This Old Testament, the Psalms, and what they're, what they're teaching, what we're expressing here. Do you hear what? He said, uh, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. He says, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? And I love what Jesus said. Haven't you read? Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, I'm sorry, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. May we be like children, amen. Back to Luke 19. I'm going to ask Pete and Daniel to come on up because this is, this is some intense stuff here. See, every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to trying to kill him that they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words and i'm amazed at that that we find people that man i like the way they teach i like the way they preach i like what they say man i get on what is that that ted's ted's thing ted talks you ever seen that on online like all these different things about people man i love that person how they speak things and that kind of thing but but all these people were hanging on his, on his words, but man, man, as soon as, as soon as they plotted against him, as soon as they started flogging him, as soon as, I mean, even Peter was like, ooh, they're going to follow him at a distance, right? See, most of these folks left Jesus when it got, when it got tough. The disciples, they scattered. The crowd was nowhere to be found at the cross. All those people that were like, woo, Jesus is my man. Jesus is going to take, that, take care of things. We're nowhere to be found when he was uttering those things that we've been talking about on the cross. And Jesus knew it. 
That's why he was freaked out, sweating drops of blood at the Garden of Gethsemane going, God, if there's any other way, Father, any other way of this, take this cup for me, but not my will, your will be done. He did that for you and he did that for me. And he didn't have to. What I love about it. He didn't even have to. This is a, this is a choice that God makes to save us. You catch that? And so as we, we, we like reflect on the resurrection, man, I'll, I'll, like we're going to celebrate that this weekend. We're going to be really reflecting on Friday night what the, what the whole idea of him being on the cross, what it's like for the Savior, the, the Messiah that you followed, that you have, he, he's gone, dead, right? They're still not thinking this. This is a, a, an incredible way to, to really reflect on the things that the, the disciples did because this is a powerful testimony to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he actually rose from the dead because these guys scattered in fear and ran in fear. All of them, I mean, every single one of the disciples was like, we're out, man, we got to run. Go back to fishing. Go back to doing whatever we were doing. Until they saw the risen Christ. And then after that, you couldn't stop them. Even to the point of death. Amen? One of the things that I do is a daily quiet time. But in the hustle and bustle of this past week, you know, wedding stuff. And I really didn't do all that much planning or anything like that. If you had any questions, I was like, I don't know, that's Judy. I don't know. Is it in Florida? Yeah, but that's about all I know. You know? Um, but during the weekend, we had all these, had all kinds of family members in. And I missed a quiet time. I, I'm accountable to some guys. I text, we text each other what we read and that kind of thing. And I, and I couldn't do anything that day. I the next day, I had to double up. But on March 11th, I missed my devotion time, my quiet time. And I had all kinds of excuses. I had all kinds of things going on. I had family, and you know, dad was here. I hadn't seen my mom in a couple of years, and we were trying to get breakfast. And all this kind of stuff, you know. We were all tired, and, and I missed it. And this is what I missed, because I read it the next day, and it just, man, it just pierced me to the core. This is a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. If you haven't read this, it's a a guy named Oswald Chambers who actually has been dead for over 100 years, well, about 100 years, 1917, and uh, didn't live to be very long. In fact, I've done some reading. I think his ministry was only about six to ten years long. But some of the things that he has said, his wife actually, when after his death, put this in the form of a devotional, and it's uh, just a wonderful thing. I highly, highly recommend it. It doesn't replace the Bible, but man, it helps helps us to understand some of the biblical concepts of what it means to truly be a follower. And on March 11th, the devotion said this, that beware of surrender that is motivated by personal benefits that may result. For example, I'm going to give myself to God because I want to be delivered from sin because I, I want to be made holy. Being delivered from sin and being made holy are the result of being right with God. But surrender resulting from this kind of thinking is certainly not the true nature of Christianity. Our motive for surrender should not be for any personal gain at all. We have become, this is a hundred years ago, listen to this. 
We've become so self-centered that we go to God only for something from him and not for God himself. It's like saying, no, Lord, I don't want you. I want myself, but I do want you to clean me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want you to put me on display in your showcase so I can say, this is what God has done for me. Gaining heaven, being delivered from sin, and being made useful to God are the things that should never be in, even be consideration for in real surrender. Genuine, total surrender is a personal sovereign preference for Jesus Christ himself. Where does Jesus Christ figure in when we have concern about our natural relationships? Most, most of us will desert him with this excuse. Yes, Lord, I heard you call me, but my family needs me, and, and I have my own interests, and I can't go any further. Then, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. He references Luke 14, 26. True surrender will always go beyond natural devotion. If we will only give up, God will surrender himself to embrace all those around us and will meet their needs, which were created by our surrender. Beware of stopping anywhere short of total surrender to God. And most of us have only a vision of what this really means, but have never truly experienced it. Amen? Wow. Man, if I'd only read that when I was supposed to read that, I think my day would have gone God's way rather than my own. Because it wore me out. And that was a great time. But here's what came out of some of this. Met this couple at the hotel. And they were from England. And we were, got to talking. And they were saying, you know, where are you from? And they, they were from, I think it was, I don't remember where they said, because I know nothing about England or, at all. But they were English. And, they, I, and I said, yeah, we're, we're from Kansas City. Oh, you like the Chiefs? I was like, yeah, I'm a fan, right? Yeah, I like the Chiefs when they play, right? And he said, we actually are fans of the Chiefs. We got to watch the Chiefs while they played the Detroit Lions in, in London. Like, ha, 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 how cool is that, right? And I said, yeah. And he started talking about the Royals. Man, you guys are, I mean, people know Kansas City now. This is so cool. What an opportunity it is for us to spread the good news. And I said, yeah, we actually have planted a couple of churches. I got a lot of the folks here from, from our couple of the, for the two churches that we planted in Kansas City. And man, I think there's some great spiritual revival coming on. And it just, they looked at me like, oh, that's important to you? And, and what they said was, you know, we, people don't go to church in, in England very much. Oswald Chambers was a very prominent pastor in England just a little over 100 years ago. It's how fast it has deteriorated because people became fans in England rather than followers. They look for places to be comfortable. They don't want people to speak into their lives in any way. Hey, that's none of your business. I'll do what I want. I'm saved by grace. They've lost possibly the kingdom for Christ for God in England because they stopped allowing people to, to actually like dig into their life, giving people permission to confront their sin. Guys, that's what we've got to do. And the coolest thing in the world, when I talk to this couple, right, they're like, they, they had never even heard hardly a, a, like a gospel presentation at all. I'm like, oh yeah, we, we're like, 
we're like spiritual warriors. I mean, I'm here telling them this stuff. Like, we're, we're, we, we, we want to take the kingdom back for Christ. This is what we want to do. We're, we're, this is what we want. We see Kansas City, man, is like, an, amen is right. This is Kansas City. We see Kansas City as like, a, like a, a, an explosion. Like, we're, like this, is, this, is a, this is the epicenter of a great spiritual revolution. I mean, I, I'm sitting there telling them this. Get up the next morning, go have breakfast, and we're all in our flip-flops and shorts. We're going to go have church on the beach. I was like, I don't want to ask. I don't know, man. I might ask this couple if they want to go to church, you know. So I go up to them and ask them, and they're, they're dressed pretty nice. I said, guys, hey, we're, we got church. And they said, oh, no, we're going to church. What? You're go- yeah, we found a church. We're going to go check it out. Are you kidding me? Hadn't been to church in how long? And now they come to America halfway across the world. Somebody even is excited about the kingdom, excited about church, excited about Christ. Like, like with, a, with a, a deep passion and positive and, and loving. I mean, like, like I'm like, I'm excited about Jesus. I love this guy. I love the Savior. I love God. And all I did was say, man, we got some crazy stuff going on in Kansas City. We got a, we got a revolution going on. And they literally get up early and they go to church. Wow. I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't do that. God did that. And guys, here's the thing. Man, so many of us are looking to be comfortable. So many of us are looking to, to I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to jump on you too hard, man. But I'm, I'm, I know there's this temptation that as soon as somebody speaks into your life, you're like, I'm out. And I will tell you this, ain't nobody got no time for that. We're looking for followers, not fans. This is the wrong church for you if you're a fan. I'm just going to tell you, straight out. If you're visiting, don't worry about it. Easter's coming. Resurrection Sunday's coming. We're going to celebrate the snot out of Jesus, right? But right now, this week, I want you to be thinking about where does God need to expose me? To get ready for this. We're going to have communion here in just a second. And, and I want us to take this first step. as like this is, the, this is the week that we kick off. God truly exposing where I need to turn away from my sin. Even if it sounds like a small sin. God exposing in me where I am a fan and not a follower. Where I am somebody who wants to be part of a church or part of a, a movement and a war that we're fighting that has already been declared as victory. Is that cool? So let me pray for the communion, man. And, and here's what we want to do. As we, we do this, I know it may have gone a little bit long, I don't know. But as we do this, man, I want you to, here's what, here's what Christ said. I'm going to give this to, the, to Pete and Daniel first. But here's what Christ said in his word. You see, Paul wrote it down as well. But it's all the word of God. So He said, do not take this lightly. You've got something against somebody. And you've got something, somebody's got something against you. Do not do this. If you have un- repented sin in your life. Do not take this. 
Nobody's going to stop you if you do. But I want you to take this very, very seriously. That this is, this is the, we, we do very few things that are, that are we consider like holy. Offering and communion are two of those things. This is a great gathering, no doubt about it. We're about to step into a week that we need to be prepared for, amen? That we need to be, like our hearts need to be truly open to whatever God is saying. Like if there's something going on, man, deal with it with God right now before you take it. Is that cool? Father, we love you. And we are truly in awe of everything that you've done. You are not just our Savior, not just our friend, not just our brother, not just our dad. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of absolutely everything. Lord, and we are in awe of you. And we are not fans. Although we love what you have done. And we don't mind telling everybody. But we are your followers. We are your disciples. And God, we want to teach other people to do the same thing. Because we cannot be your disciple until we're discipling others. And God, as we take this communion, as we take this Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it, Lord, may we do this in remembrance of you. And may we, may we be found pure in your sight. It's in your son's name we pray.